Today's focus is going to be basically uh, verses 10 through 14 of Malachi chapter 1. Um, and working on the title, I first thought as in verse 11, uh, where the Lord says, My name will be great. I thought that would be a good title for the sermon. And then I thought of another one. I don't know if it's as great, but kind of like has, uh, we've heard in our culture here recently, a lot of fake news. Well, we'll call this fake worship. They were going through a lot of motions, and the appearance may have looked genuine, but the Lord saw what was really going on. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, and He can see through the facades that uh, many will put on. So, as we begin, we just read again, starting in verse 10. He says, Or that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not blemish or uselessly kindle fire on my own altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. For from the rising of the sun... Even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it in that you say, the table of the Lord is defiled, and that, and for, and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, "My, how tiresome it is!" You disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of Hosts, and you bring what is taken by robbery. And what is lame or sick, so that the offering, so you bring the offering, should I receive from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it and sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. Let's pray. Master, you are great. You are great, you are kind, you are merciful and glorious. Help us to examine ourselves that our worship is pleasing, is acceptable to you. 
and that you are honored in our midst. Thank you, Father. Grow us to be conformed more accurately to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to your honor, to your glory, and to your praise. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. And as he, we begin there in verse 10, Oh, that there were one among you that would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. What... What an indictment that the Lord has against his people here in Israel, that they were going through the motions. And we know how to go through the motions. Uh, we know how to do this and do that and make it have all the appearances that it is genuine. But the Lord sees our hearts. He sees the motivation and the intentions of our hearts. He sees through us. The world may be amazed at something silly, but God sees through the silly. God knows what we're actually doing. Some will look the part just like an indictment, we can call it. Judas was a wonderful guy. He was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was part of the disciples. He went, so why would anybody suspect that he was pilfering and, and taken from the money box? Who, who would suspect him as pilfering and being the son of perdition, being uh, that one who was going to be betraying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? By all appearances, he looked, exact, he looked fine. He looked just like everybody else. And God sees through each and every one of us. Whether we're being genuine or we're being fraudulent. He knows us. These verses. How great is your God? When you're speaking of your God to somebody... Are you just giving a lip service or just kind of a portrayal or of something that you can regurgitate to make it sound good? Or I heard a, a man we were sharing and he was sharing the gospel and describing the Lord Jesus Christ to this man. And he, he looked at us and he said, looked at him and said, you're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, yes. It sounds like you're talking about your very best friend. I said, yes. He's, he's the friend that's closer than a brother. He is glorious. 
And what we, we're not just trying to regurgitate facts about a, in an, an individual that we've heard about, but he was sharing about someone that he knows. How about the Lord Jesus Christ isn't just this thought that is out there somewhere, but how close is it in here? And when you're describing and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, is it something far removed from you or is it something very intimate? These priests, they knew how to play the game. They, they would talk the talk, but they obviously weren't walking the walk. Other parts, uh, I know Pastor's been to India. Some of you all have been to other different places. But I've noticed after the first time being overseas, we know how to play the game called church. We can make it look good. But where's the heart? Some years ago, it was said that, you know, someone was asked, uh, describe what church is. Well, you know, we, we gather together and we sing some songs and the preacher preaches and we go home. That was it. That was their interpretation of gathering for worship. Instead of having this communion, having this uh, intimacy uh, relations, of hearing the word of God and responding in faith to the word of God. And letting God examine us and show us what he sees. Not what we want to portray, not what, uh, what other people to think of us. He knows He knows us intimately. We can't fool him. We can't um, we can't try to psych out God by, oh, I'm saying this, maybe this will happen. No. You you can't do that. Um, it, it, It doesn't work. God knows us. He knows our intentions. He knows our motivations. So, does your life match your words about the Lord? You talk about, I've said, and many have said, it's easy in the U.S. Many, many used to say they're a Christian. But they're not. In fact, now they're being more honest. And they might say, well, I'm more agnostic. Not really saying that they're atheists, but they're more agnostic or some kind of weird thing. But it's not in vogue as much to say, oh, I'm a Christian. I used to say I was a Christian, but I didn't know what a Christian was. Until the Lord revealed himself to me. And then I realized who he is and thankful for his mercy and grace. And then he will change us and move us into the direction of conformity into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many will say they're Christians. Just because they say they're Christians doesn't mean that they are. Not to be 
overly critical, but just listen to what's being said. What, what is the life that's being lived? Is it matching the words that are being said and described about themselves? We have a lot of players, fakers, to try to give off the appearance. Again, haven't been in India, but uh, other places, it's not good to say, oh, I'm a Christian, because in other parts of the world, that's not, look, that's not looked upon in a good light. We declare He is our Lord and Savior. He purchased us. He owns us. He bought us. We are no longer His enemies, but He has brought us into His family. We are now His adopted children. We can now be accepted in His presence and not cast out. The world has always been hateful toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will continue to do so until he returns. So while we are waiting for his return, may we represent him well. May his life be not just a tagline or a badge of, of like uh, a political party that we're on. Uh, Well, here's my badge. This is who I am. But is it our life? Is he more than just a little badge or a ticket or uh, anything else? How real is he to you? He says in verse 12, he declared, oh, if, if somebody said back in, uh, verse 10, oh, that somebody would just shut the door. That they wouldn't be kindling the fire for false worship, for fake worship. It looks good on the outside, but God sees the hearts. And God's cries, oh, if somebody would just shut and lock the door so that they couldn't get in, so they wouldn't fire up an altar, uh, fire, uh, uh, light the fires to put on this facade. He was not pleased with this fake worship. He says in verse 11, For from the rising of the sun even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure. And my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Is our lives declaring the greatness of our God and our King? Too many will give just verbiage, uh, words, but how real is he to us? How, what would it be if, say, the doors were locked? What if, strangely, if in the United States, 
Christianity was made illegal. And we couldn't gather together legally as God has declared us to meet together, to adore Him, to worship Him, and to encourage our brothers and sisters. The beautiful things I heard in Romania when the communists came in and Christianity was illegal, that they couldn't gather, they closed their churches, burned their Bibles, and singing like I've never heard before. And the one translator said, they closed our churches, burned our Bibles, and she says, but they couldn't take our songs. There was this gathering, about 40, 50 people, and singing worship and praise to the Lord in Romanian that I couldn't understand. I did understand the tunes, and I was singing in English to what they were singing. So I kind of knew the tune, but it sounded, in that 40 or 50, it sounded like 240 or 250. They were just belting it out from their gut. It, was, it meant something. They were praising the Lord, not just, I hope nobody hears me. I'm just going to say real quietly. Nobody knows. They were building it out, and, and, and they, could, they could sing parts. I mean, they, you had all three, four parts. They were singing, and they knew them, and they would trade as they were going to different places. They would just sing. It's like, whew. It was glorious. Their songs were an act of worship. They were grateful to be able to worship freely. And it was evident in the proclamation of their praise. It wasn't just, oh, this is just one of the things that we do. No, it it meant something. It was real. And they were praising God. Our nation needs to see the people of God praising God and walking with Him. That it's not just, oh, well, this is just one of the things to do. We go to church, we sing some songs, and we go home. His, our lives being changed by the Word of God. Are our lives being transformed to conforming to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? So, oh, this is just something that we do. By His grace, we have the joy of gathering and being His people. Continuing in the book of Malachi, verse 12 opens and says, But you are profaning it. Talk about His great name. But you are profaning it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is to be despised. It's like, oh, we got to do this again. They're having the sacrifices. They're doing it faithfully. They're the burnt offerings. It's like, oh, how tiresome all of this is. It would be so much better if we could just, could we just stay home? Can we just not do this? 
can't we do something else? Wouldn't God be pleased with that? Even though he's called for these sacrifices. With the idea of looking for the sacrifice that is to come. Of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't there another way? It's so tiresome. It's so, and its food is not all that great. Why? And the way that we respond to our Lord, the world is watching and they see. Much as Paul was writing to the church in Rome and quoting Old Testament passages here, he says in Romans chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, he says, You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking of the law, do you dishonor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Sometimes people forget. How many times have you gone and trying to share the gospel with somebody and, and they'll say, oh, well, so-and-so, yeah, he, he, he goes to X church. Well, if he's going to heaven... I know I'm fine because he's this, this, that, and the other. Comparing themselves with someone else, which is always a bad thing to do. Are we giving the unbelievers? Now, they're going to, they're going to take our actions and our words, and they're going to twist them and to create their own story. But are we giving them fodder? To help them. Letting our lives be that exemplifying the grace and the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That He's real. He's not just a concept. He's real. And He is coming back. Do they know? Are we being the instruments that God is using to let them know that he is real and that he's coming back. Many, many won't hear. Many, we, we can't, we do our best to communicate the gospel and some just don't want to hear it. True. As I've said, some folks at work, they'll say, well, you know, that's good. <laughs> and I have said, the Lord's on his throne and he's coming back. Oh, okay. Conversation's over. Okay. We've all been fishing. Most of us have. Uh, Hmm. Well, that bait's not working. (laughs) We'll try something else. So you just put it out there. You just try to see where you try to find an open road to communicate the gospel. That their lives will be transformed by the glory of the gospel. By God Himself 
because we haven't changed ourselves, but he is the one who's changed us. So we try to give his message. As again, back in Romans, this is Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God and salvation. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile or to the Greek. We're saved by his gospel. We're not the same that we used to be because of what he has done through his gospel. And we hold to that gospel. As Theo was saying, I have one gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what changes lives eternally. Not just turning over a new leaf, because if you turned over a new leaf, the, the wind's going to blow and it's going to turn over again. It's what God does. And it makes the difference. Instead of being just uh, portrayers or fakers, God sees through it. And God's not pleased with those who are just trying to put on the facade that they are loving God and being faithful. They want, or He wants, genuineness. He says, our next verse in verse uh, 13. But you also say, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame and sick, and you bring it, bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? When the offering is supposed to be an item, an animal that is pure, without blemish, qualified to be the sacrifice, that it would be taking the punishment of the sin, taking the life of the animal so that the punishment would not fall upon me? Am I looking as something so, so cheap? And say, oh, this will do. We know what happened when uh, Cain and Abel, when they brought their sacrifices in the book of Genesis. Abel, he brought fruit from the garden. Cain brought the blood, blood sacrifice. Which one was he pleased? He, he wasn't pleased. He wasn't calling for just a fruit. Just, well, this is the best I can do. Well, God has a requirement. And his requirement is perfect and pure. As a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who as the perfect and pure one, who took our, the wrath that was reserved specifically for you and for me, he took it upon himself. And God was pleased. As Isaiah said, God was pleased to pour out his wrath on him. That is what pleased God. A pure sacrifice is what God is pleased with. Not just, uh, it's good enough. We've heard the adage, well, it's good enough for government work. Which means... It's not that great. They told us in the Marine Corps, they said, remember, fellas, 
all of your equipment and weapons, they're made by the lowest bidder. <laughs> the cheapest one to make it, it's yours. Now we have to use this. Okay. But God doesn't say, okay, who can give me a good low bid? No, God doesn't require a low bid. God requires the highest bid. And the highest bid is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what God is pleased with. That's, well, it, it's good enough for now. We'll do something. No, God wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to respond in like manner to the kindness and the mercy that God has extended through Jesus Christ taking our wrath upon Himself that we could walk and have the promise of eternal life. This is back in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Because we're trying to lower God to be more on our level instead of seeing Him as holy and pure and just. Requiring and deserving the best that we have. Not just, uh, it, it should be good enough. No. Just there's more. Back a little while. few pages back in the book of Zechariah chapter 7 Zechariah chapter 7 verse 2 says now the town of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regimelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord seeking Speaking to the priest who belonged to the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying, Shall we weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have done these many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people, of the land and to the priests. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, seventh month, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? They were going through the motions. Well, okay, it's a day that we fast. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to fast and weep because it's on the calendar. We have to do it this way. So I'm doing this, but not in a, as an act of worship, not in an act of ad, adoration and admiration, but just 
putting on a facade, making it look good. He says, well, you're not doing that just for yourself? God sees. God sees and knows when we're being genuine and when we're being fraudulent. He knows He knows a pure heart. He knows a true heart. It's not going to, again, we're not going to fool him. We're going to make it look really good. And so that God will say, oh, look at him. Look at her. He sees the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. We can't fake out God. You might do that at work. You might. Politicians might do that to the people, but you can't do that to God. God knows us too well. He sees us for who we really are. And knowing the times that we're living in, He told us these, there would be days like this. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this. That in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, Brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power and avoid such men as these. Let us be genuine in our faith. Let us be genuine in our admiration and adoration of Him. The Scripture is full of the pictures of those who put on the facade, but are not genuine. He tells us there's going to be a day, which I think we're living in right now, when... Last days will come. These things will happen. We see this happening all around us. There are more people, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Conceited, unholy, irreconcilable. We see that. That's not going to be someday. I think where that is right now that we're living in. Those, those days are here now. Let our lives be demonstrating as different than those, but one that is in adoration of who He is. We're in the book of Isaiah. He says in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18, 
Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sin as if with cart ropes, who say, let him make, make speed, let him hasten his work that we may see it. Let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. And that is America. We don't have to look anywhere else. We can see these things happening all around us. The falsehood, the fraudulent worship. Those who are not concerned about the Word of God, as uh, has been said by many. When, when it comes to gathering with a group of believers... Common question. What's in it for the kids? What kind of entertainment is there? Or they'll be more brassy and honest when they'll say, What's in it for me? Will it be entertaining to me? Will I be pleased with it? When the question is, Is God pleased with it? Is His Word being honored in the midst? That it'll be true worship. And true adoration. Instead of fake worship. And just. Not whether I'm pleased with it. Is God pleased with it? Is it lining up with his word? Or is it. Just. To fit me. However. I'm feeling at the moment. What's most important? Let's say in our last, our last verse this evening, in verse 14, he says, But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. He is a great king. King Jesus is on his way. He is a great king. Do we acknowledge that? Being being, swin- being a swindler is not a good thing. So, well, I've got this male 
male animal to sacrifice. But you know, I've got this one over here that looks good, but it's blind in one eye and or it's got a bum leg. Let me sacrifice that one. Let me keep the good one. I can, I can maybe get some more money out of that one if I trade it or sell it than the one that's messed up. But God sees. God sees and He knows. Cursed be the swindler. He's going to do this, but He does something else. Remember in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira, when everybody was selling their property and bringing the, uh, the, the sale of the property to the apostles to be distributed amongst the church, when the people who were, in, who were in need. And Ananias comes and he goes, this, he says, is this, you sold your is this, the, you say this is the whole price? He says, you're not, lie, you're not lying to me, but you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying to the Lord Himself. Long, short story, even shorter. Then he breathed his last. And then some men came up and picked him up and hauled him out. And in the same way, later his wife would come in and say, Did you sell your property for this amount? Oh, that, that is. He said, Well, you're going to join your husband. The husband just carried, the man who just came in from carrying your husband out is getting ready to carry you out too. And then she breathed her last. The facade of trying to make it look good. But we know other verses we've very common we've known in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 starting in verse 9. And do not, or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. God for verse 11 where he says and such were some of you but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God we're no different we're the same Revilers, we're the same swindlers, we're the same, you name it, we're there. So, oh, that's them over there. No, that is us, unless the Lord Jesus Christ has not made a difference in us. But when He does come and changes us, then we can say, verse 11, and such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. 
It's by His grace. And only by His grace. He is a great God. Let our worship be genuine. Not just... To make it look good when certain eyes are on us. Remembering that the eyes of the Lord see us. Even when you're all by yourself, He sees you. Is is our worship genuine? Last verse. In First Chronicles, chapter 29, this is David's prayer. In First Chronicles, verse, or chapter 29, verse 10. <clears throat> So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed art thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth, thine is the dominion, O Lord, thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee. Thou dost rule over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and it lies in thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. A great great thing to do. Just look at His great name. He says it in Malachi. He says it here. What the Lord, He loves most is His name. What he has done for Israel, he didn't do it for Israel, but for his namesake. He acts for his namesake that everyone will know him and praise him and worship him. So let's join that band in worshiping his greatness, his great name. God is glorious and He is returning. Let our worship be real. Let our worship be genuine. Let our worship be full of praise. And may our praise and worship inspire others and motivate others to worship in spirit and in truth, the coming King. How is your worship?
just some actions and motions that you go through? Or is it real? How real is it? Is he your best friend when you're trying to describe somebody or tell somebody about your king? Is he just some, some concept that's way out there? Out, you get some kind of ideas about it. How real is he? May God be blessed. May we be honest, honest in our worship and our praise. Let's pray. Master, you are glorious, you are kind, you are holy. You are worthy of worship and worthy of praise. Help us, God, to represent you and to conform, that you may conform us in a greater likeness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that you will be pleased, because this is all about you, not about us. We don't want to fall into the same traps that those that you have recorded in your word who may give lip service, but their heart is far from you. Help us, Lord, to be genuine in giving you the praise. Open our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. And amen.